Welcome back to Judging Book Covers Podcast, your bi-weekly book club podcast focusing on helping guests clear out their to-be-read lists. I'm Megan Griffin, and as always, I am joined by my amazing co-host, Stephanie Cortez. How are you doing? Doing well. A little tired. <laughs> yeah? Long yeah. weekend? Long weekend. Even though we took Friday off, it's still kind I mean, of a long weekend. <laughs> But it's it a long good. weekend of fun, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just don't bounce back from the fun like I used to when I was in my 20s. I know that's so unfortunate. Like, I'm on vacation through tomorrow, and yet I'm like, I should have taken off Tuesday. Mm. Just to sleep all that day. extra day. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, uh, so this week, we are starting off our October kind of, I guess, horror look. I don't know if really... Yeah. Yeah, we're that. reading some scarier stuff, I guess. And uh, we started with Grady Hendrix, We Sold Our Soul. And what better person to come on and talk about some metal band book than um, one of our favorite co-hosts, uh, Chris Hayes. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. And Stephanie, she <clears> didn't <throat> mention the fun weekend is because it was my birthday. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I'm happy to be on <laughs> Well, welcome back, birthday boy. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I don't think that was actually intentional to have you back just for your birthday. No, it wasn't. But <laughs> birthday I, present for you. And Stephanie, when she's like, "Oh, it's been a long. We've been doing it." Like, I thought she would have said, "Oh, it's because it's we were celebrating something." But no, it wasn't good enough. So that's fine. All right. <laughs> well, that's all that means is it wasn't a milestone birthday. No, just 34. Boring. There's nothing You important. never want to exactly. do anything to celebrate your birthday. We did. We went drinking and stuff. Because I pushed for it. I know. Every time, what do you want to do for your birthday? Hmm, nothing. Yeah, that's true. It's because it's 34. But I am here. I'm very happy to be here to talk about metal. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this book came out fairly recently. I think it was a September release. Yes. Checking the date, but it is a Quirk book, who is always one of my favorite uh, stands to go visit any any book convention I go to. They have the weirdest books. They're always good, and they always have the best, like, secret passwords for free stuff. Ooh. So, <laughs> in case you uh, ever go to any kind of convention that they would be there, follow them on social media. Um, this was not, I don't think, any of our first Grady Hunters Hendrix book. Uh, what else have you guys read? Just my best friend's exorcism for me. That's okay. me too. That's the first one, and I devoured it in just like days. Okay. So I was yeah, uh, really I really like that one. So neither of you have read Horror Store. No, nope. but I do want to read more of his stuff now. Okay. Even after my best friend's exorcism, I wanted to read more. Yeah, if you've ever been to an IKEA. Horror Store is amazing. <laughs> if you've ever worked at Ikea, Horror Store might be too relatable. But <laughs> but I do highly recommend it. And, uh, and because I've read that, and I also found my best friend's exorcism to be funny as well, or at least mm -hmm. have elements of humor, it took me a minute to realize that this book really doesn't. This one goes mm. quick and dark. Yeah, this one's not... Not that my best friend's exorcism was uplifting, but there's not a lot of laughs. I might have had one towards the end that I can think of. 
That might be it. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds about right. So this book is about a band from, I think, the 80s or 90s um, who were on the brink of stardom. And suddenly uh, everybody in the band, except for the lead singer, has essentially fallen uh, from good graces. And the lead singer is one of the uh, most popular metal musicians in the world. And our story is based on, is based on, our story follows around Chris Pulaski, the former lead guitarist. Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce this. Is it Dirk Work? Dirk Work? That's what I was saying. Yeah, I think it's okay. just, it's, she put the, they put the umlauts over the U's, but in my head, I told Stephanie, that the, the work part with the W, I kept in my head saying, well, like, uh, Werner, like Werner Herzog, so I kept saying it dirt work in my head. I could not stop it, but I think it's supposed to just be dirt work. Oh, uh, but I like dirt vert too. I know, yeah. I do too. <laughs> so Chris is the former lead guitarist of Dirt Verk, and <laughs> she it kind of follows her it has been since their this kind of like weird fateful night and she has not played guitar since and she is her life has become all about uh, essentially uh, one of those Hilton Garden night manager jobs. And as uh, she is leaving work one day, she realizes that Terry Hunt, the lead singer who has gotten ridiculously famous, is going on uh, a solo career and kind of a Woodstock-esque uh, concert series supposed to be his like farewell tour of yeah. the blind king yeah they they add it it, it announces final shows those end up happening and then he announces this fest, the actual festival like the three-day thing right like, that gets added yeah. on at the end yeah, but it's basically it's kind of like a farewell like this is the end for coffin with a k and yeah yeah coffin with a k names are so fun <laughs> Like, I feel like that's still just a garage band name, but <clears throat> maybe that's just me. I, I feel like Grady Hendrix must have had a lot of fun coming up with um, the, the names for the, you know, the fake bands. Because there's a lot of name drops of real bands mm-hmm. and musicians, but I'm, he seemed to have fun coming up with uh, names for songs and albums and, and everything like that. Yeah. So, what's kind of interesting about this book, I... I didn't pick up an actual copy. I'm still looking at my arc. So please tell me if things have changed. Um, Chris is our main character. Mm-hmm. We also have another character whose name I entirely am blanking on, but she is a fan of um, Coffin and oh. is basically spending all her money to get to this uh, um, festival. Melanie. Melanie. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. And then in between each chapter there is uh like a press stuff Mm -hmm. which all takes place in 2019 which i found a little jarring at first um i think i read this back in like may and so it was like no 2019 is not just around the corner please stop doing this (laughs) (laughs) um there's some earlier stuff so you could kind of get like a the band as they're coming up and trying to 
get publicity and get recognition and things. And then it's a lot of, you know, talking about the festival and things like that. But it, they were nice interludes. Yeah. So that was a good look at to kind of see Terry Hunt's new persona when he gets interviewed and how he says he's better than Marilyn Manson and Trent Reznor. <laughs> he's half he's half right on that one. <laughs> I'll which let you half? guess which 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 one am I wearing? I'm wearing a nice nail shirt, so I'll let you know which one I agree with. <laughs> what does your cover look like? It's uh her playing okay. guitar. Yeah. Is it's it still the it's a paperback? Like a Yeah, I have a paperback, uh, yeah. So for the hard we have the same like book jacket. But oh, okay. then oh, yeah, when you take pages. it off. Oh that's awesome. It's the lyrics of uh troglodyte but backwards so because i was like oh these are words let's run over to the to the mirror and see what it says so it's That's very so cool. cool yeah and the, and the, i love that the pages yeah. are black black edged yeah That's so cool. it's got the red yeah, yeah and the red on the inside it's very nice i do need to get a copy metal. of the actual hardback because that is really pretty yeah yeah mine is now incredibly boring that's nice <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's it could be worse like I don't know if I could find the one I got yesterday. Nope. Oh, it's somewhere. It's just, this is a book I got yesterday. It's like, okay, cool. Title, person's name. Okay. Yep. Wow. (laughs) What else do you need? (laughs) Exactly. So I am curious what the actual cover of that's going to look like. Yeah. So I guess let's start with the original band and who was in that. Okay. Because then that'll lead to explaining what's kind of happened to him since. Yeah. I did like how Chris and Terry met, that she was in her basement trying to force herself to play and figure it out on her own. Mm-hmm. And a kid comes knocking on the basement window. I think she was playing Black Sabbath. Is that Sabbath? Yeah. <laughs> um, it was Terry. And they became friends. And then it kind of went from there. Yeah, it's definitely a small town vibe of, uh, you know, we like this music. Nobody else does. Everybody's going to think we're weird because we like this Mm -hmm. music. So always good. The starting point of bonding for garage bands. Yep. Um, So then. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, if I think we were trying to, we were coming up with the, the, um, the band, right? Dirtwork. So it's Chris. Terry, he sings. Yep. Local, uh, yeah, lead vocals. Was it Scotty Rocket? Which is yep. such a good name. <laughs> Scotty Rocket was other guitarist. Yes. yes. Rhythm guitar. And we had Tuck, Tuck, his bass. Yep. Yep. And then for drums, they originally had JD, who was apparently just a lot. A wild. <laughs> yeah, a lot. Wild and crazy kid. Um, so they eventually kicked him out and replaced him with bill which right. seems like a classic band thing yeah you know, yep. oh yeah we, we got we had replaced our drummer i think in the story it's after some type of house party they played and then i think bill says hey you should take I me think and so, he's yeah. i think chris described or it's in the book it's described as He's all math. Yeah. So he doesn't feel it as well, but he, he knows Counts, how to play, yeah, but it's all, he's all, he knows exactly what he's doing and everything. But yeah, they, they, they get rid of JD and, and Bill becomes the new drummer. Yeah. And then I thought JD was done and disappeared, but he does come back later, which is awesome. 
Oh yeah, and there was in some of the interludes, there was a call, a couple of them from a caller named JD, and I was like, that's yes. gotta be the same oh, one. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. I didn't yeah. want to make that connection until just yeah. And then a couple caller, I think towards the beginning, caller saying that things are crazy, things are coming, you know, kind of warning of conspiracy theories, but he doesn't give his name, he or she doesn't give their name, but I, yeah. as I went on, I was like, that had to be JD. Yeah. Oh, it definitely has to be. So they um, were opening for bands, getting really popular. They had gotten a manager and they were getting ready to sign a contract. I I feel like, I don't know, kind of going in. The book does not obviously go in chronological order. Right. But to kind of set up where we start, they get to the point where they're going to sign for a record. And then that night, Chris doesn't remember. All she remembers is, yeah, waking up the next day uh, injured and actually in the hospital, I think. Well, she Um, remembers feeling like she needed to get the other guys, Tuck, Scotty, and Bill, out of the house. Right. And then getting into a car accident with a UPS truck, which is important. (laughs) You will not see a UPS truck on the highway or in your neighborhood the same way if you read this book. Yeah, no, uh, no. She can't quite figure out the timeline because she knows about what time she kind of stormed off out of the house drinking. But even if she was out in the woods for a couple hours, came back, got them. The police report is from like 4 a.m. So there's a big chunk of time missing that they, her, Scotty, took Bill, they don't remember. Right. Um, but they do end up in the hospital after that and they do end up signing a contract um, which essentially gives Terry everything. It gives Chris, it seems to give Chris and them a lot of money, but because of the car accident, yeah. Chris loses all of her money because they all sue her. Right. And um, she's actually the holdout. She doesn't sign. She comes back in, she sees the guys have signed, and then she remembers feeling like, I got to get them out of this house. Yeah. And they leave. Um, but then when I think it's Bill's brother says he's going to sue Tuck's mom, Scotty's dad, there are, so she signs like 500,000. And then after she pays them off, she realizes she owes like 130,000 in taxes on the money, but the money's gone because of the lawsuits. Yeah. And I think important, you mentioned it, Megan, but the contracts basically, they would be considered hired guns. I know. I think. Right, yeah. I think if it's Scotty or so, someone, Bill, Bill, they yeah. quickly reading through the contracts there, and he's saying, "This doesn't even give us royalties. Like, what the hell is this?" Right. Um, they would so get paid a salary. Yeah, they would basically just be hired. And but Terry gets the name of the band. He gets the publishing right. rights. He gets like <laughs> yeah, that's everything. And that's, Bill, oh, I'm sorry. No, just Bill wants his attorney to look at it, and Terry and their manager, Rob. 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 Rob are both like, no, you got to sign now. Like, and Terry's like, you guys are ungrateful. I fought for you to get this. It's like, oh, <laughs> okay, Terry. Whatever you say, this, Terry. Yes. And they're supposed to be coffin now. Dirt yeah. work is done. That was the other thing. <laughs> this is thing. when it's like, this is the name. And yeah. this, this is, um, comes on the tail of dirt work opening for their biggest show ever, opening for Slayer. Yeah. Terry does the. I'm the lead singer type of thing, pisses people off and leaves, and then they get right. kicked off the, the show, yeah. the, the tour. He's also so. talking shit about Slayer, too. Yeah, of yeah. course. <laughs> so it's it's all the starts with Terry, yeah. goes crazy, he leaves, and then all of a sudden when they show up at this 
they call it the Witch House. It's kind of their little location. <laughs> They've recorded there. They practice there, which is the awesome name. Um, and then when they show up, that's where Terry has the contracts all laid out. And he's like, no, guys, this is going to be great. We're going to be taken off and everything. We're going to be new metal, I believe. Oh, God. Which, when I read that part, I was like, Chris is going to love this part. <laughs> and yes. by love, I mean absolutely hate. Because... <laughs> It's 1998. This contract night takes place in 1998 because they reference Corn, yeah. saying "Follow the leader." Just opened at number one, blah blah blah, and everything. And yeah. I'm just like, oh boy, yeah, 1998. Yeah. I it, should, know. <laughs> it should be noted, like the all of them, Chris and the other guys, they're against it. They're like, that's not what we play. That's not like real music. I want it's to sell it out. <laughs> huh? It's selling out, isn't it? Yes, that's what that's, they consider yeah, it. That's what they call it. The music um, should tell a story. It should be right. a progression. <laughs> yep. My dad listens to some metal. I remember these arguments from when I was a kid. So. Oh. <laughs> and I think it's important now to mention the album that they recorded. Mm-hmm. Troglodyte. Tro- yeah, Troglodyte. That Chris wrote. Yes, this is Chris's kind of whole story. And, you know, she's the impetus of how it was created. But part of this was... Terry saying, nope, it's getting buried. We're not, that's done. We're yeah. not yeah. releasing that. It's garbage. It's whatever. So that's that's very important for the story that uh, this Troglodyte album was not going to be released. And not only is that, she loses the rights to it as well. Right. The other and thing I didn't like, uh, when she does sign the contract, she can't also play any music in the style of dirt work. So she did form another band and then got dragged into court by tearing his dick lawyer. Yeah. Like, I don't even think she could play at home, like, any kind of yeah, metal. I think she's... Yeah, because it was a very, apparently it was a very, like, sort of vague contract that his attorneys can just say, you know, no, you can't play anything. Um, yeah. So she did eventually give up and, like stash her guitar everything guitar amp everything downstairs in the basement yeah and it's been what 20 years um i think six years since she last played okay yeah but overall 20 20-ish years yeah i think it, yeah contract yeah. night was 98 well, she, yeah i think she had met yeah. terry 34 years ago yeah. and then yeah yeah, because they definitely spent some dirt work, spent time yeah. touring mm-hmm. all yeah. over the place, you know, shitty little van, like, just like mm-hmm. real bands do, and they were, yeah, <laughs> doing it for a while, and Triglodyte yep. was supposed to be kind of their, they felt like this breakout. was their, yeah, this would be their, their breakout. Yeah. I mean, opening for Slayer, that, yeah. and the book is something. <laughs> I don't know mm-hmm. if that's an actual band, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's. Do we want to talk about the album, or do we want to talk about what kind of happens um, next? Maybe kind of what happens next then into the album, because I did like that progression of her going to see Scotty, and then him basically telling her, you need troglodyte. <laughs> yeah, they. she realizes that there's a farewell tour, and... I'm blanking. I know that there is a section before she goes to visit Scotty. Um, do the UPS guys visit her first? No. No. Okay. She, she has home. a terrible night at work. Yeah. 
She has which, a terrible night at work. She goes oh. home. She pulls out her guitar. Yep. Because she saw the billboard. Yeah. She starts playing. And that's how we learn how the band formed. Right. Um, and then she decides, even though she's been to court a million times and has lost every time, she's still going to fight. So she goes to see Scotty Rocket. Right. Because he was probably the least likely one to hate her. Hate her. Right. Um, right. Scotty is married, and I believe in Jersey. And it sounds like a total nut job when you first meet yeah. him. He's got uh, the actual aluminum foil caps. He's sitting in his basement. With a padlock, uh, a deadbolt, and a chain. Jesus. And like, when Chris gets there, I think one of the kids, he has two kids, I think one of the kids answers the door, and then she comes in, and um, Angela, I think was his wife, she recognizes uh-huh. Chris. And she's like, all right, you've known him longer. Before you leave, come see me, because I need to know if this is like a midlife crisis or if I should really, really be concerned. Right. I feel like if my husband was locking himself in a basement with a padlock, a deadbolt, and a chain, I don't know if she knew about the foil hats and stuff, but that alone would make me concerned. <laughs> yeah. When she first says, like, I just want to, I need to know what you think. Like, what do he, you think, Angela? It's like, wait, the door's locked. He's locked in. Like, he's the only one that can open it. Like, you yeah. couldn't get in. Like, this is more of a problem, Angela. Yeah. Yeah, yeah PSA to anybody if your spouse starts or partner starts just, like, hiding with locked rooms. It's okay to be concerned. Right. You don't need a friend from the past to verify <laughs> for you. And that's probably, I would assume, maybe the only reason Angela might have let her in. Yeah. Oh, you definitely. Know, because... To- yeah, because Chris was very feedback. worried about yeah. going to him because oh, yeah. of what happened. Again, at this point in the story, we, we don't, don't know. know. We just know something happened years ago, and she's yeah. scared to kind of reach out to them. So yeah, this is probably what made yeah. her say, "Okay, you can come in," even though yeah, we haven't seen you in years and years now. Yeah, um, he definitely has a gun, mm. and he's starts talking about troglodyte, um, and then. Starts actually like quoting part of the music. Like, yes. they start singing it to kind of each other. And then he claims that they're telling him he has to kill her. It gets a phone call. Yeah. And I think a song by Coffin plays Stand Strong. And his it's ringtone. Yeah. And it's like, he kind of like, his demeanor changes a little bit. Yeah. Um, but he had shown her how his house was bugged or he pulled out like a bag with like, I assume a bug in it. Yeah, and at this I point, another... I wasn't sure if it was just like a bag of random stuff. That right. Like, these are or bugs. Like stuff that's supposed to be in your phone. Because I yeah. don't know what's supposed to, what a phone looks like on the inside. Um, but then another like vial that I think was empty. <laughs> so. You said it's so small, you can't see it with your with the naked eye. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so you clearly, you're like, okay, Uh-oh. something's happened. Yeah. Of course, Terry can't be listening to them and everything yeah. and then yeah he gets the phone call it's a coffin song yeah. is the ringtone and then he says he's talking you don't hear you know what the other side of the conversation is but he's just like oh okay and then he's like well i have to kill you yeah yeah he says that uh blyern blyern black iron mountain called mm. and that they all speak with the same voice um that you know everything about troglodyte is true and now chris has to die um, but then instead 
he decides to wait does he kill himself he does yeah that chapter ends with him saying they said i have to kill you and then he's looking for something and he gives her a letter and telling her chocolate is the album she's trying to get the hell out of there but it's locked padlock um and then he says something like maybe he's not strong enough but she is and she can carry it on they said someone has to die but didn't say who and then he kills himself which i was like so what the fuck they say on the phone then because you just said (laughs) but he does kill himself yes and then this point i remember being like well this got dark and uh, now we're gonna have to explain to the wife like hey um i didn't kill your husband but your husband's dead and it's okay It's okay, because the UPS men come and make sure that Chris doesn't have to tell them anything. Right. They're there. Thank God. Immediately. (laughs) Oh, kill the kids. Or kill the kid who answers the door. Kill Angela. And they they go upstairs to kill the other kid. And Chris is hiding in the house. Um, She does get away. Oh, right before he shoots himself, he says, you can't trust UPS. Right. And then UPS showed up and I was like, what? Which, which is so great. It's, you know, a guy with like his phone's covered in tinfoil. He's got a hat. I feel like he also right. has a fanny pack. He did. That's where the yeah, gun was. A, yeah. And the phone. And he's like, don't trust UPS. And it's the clock. Like, I guess this is the humor aspect. It's just so much smaller than the rest of his books that like looking back, it's, it's, it's hilarious. This is going to be, if this is ever adapted, that is going to be great. Mm. But the UPS comes so quickly that it's like, oh, okay. We're definitely listening. <laughs> yeah. I want to know if Grady Hendrix, like, has he had bad situations with deliveries? Like UPS oh, probably. brought him something in the Why not boxes. FedEx? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was probably, it might have been like UPS slash FedEx. We'll see who delivers this next package bad. All right, UPS, <laughs> you're going down. Yep. So, after visiting Scotty, um, we switched to Melanie, who I'm not entirely sure I understand the point of Melanie in the book, other than just, like, to show Terry has fans, and, like, Mm -hmm. I, I know that she becomes important to Chris at one point, but her whole backstory... Yeah, like, it was her and her shit boyfriend. Yep. Uh, and, like, she's decided she's going to save up this money. They're going to go to this festival. They're going to move out west. Yep. They're going to start life over. It's going to be good. She doesn't want to be stuck there in this small town where I think the 12th or 13th kid from her high school class OD'd. Yeah. Um, is it West Virginia? Yeah, I think it is so. West Virginia. <laughs> And, but her boyfriend Greg's trash. Yeah. Garbage. And he, essentially, any money she saves, he's spending on weed or video games. Oh, my God. So, and he, when we first meet him, he's playing a video game. And his trash talk in the video game, and I was just like, oh, you're one of those. <laughs> um, but he had gotten a, a tattoo on the back of his neck. FML in gothic script and she's like how the fuck are you gonna get a job with fuck my life tattooed on your person like 
He's like, they won't know what it means. Okay. But he does. I think he does agree to the plan. And then we see in a later chapter that he gets into it, dude. He gets a job at GameStop. Yeah. But he's trash. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, he said he only got the job there to get the employee discount to get new Xbox system yep. and games and stuff. And then he quit. But then he was doing something, I think, That's... his own account. He was like, because they had a joint account, was it? Or they had something they were putting money yeah. in together. And then he took his own account and was putting it in so it looked like he was still working even though he hadn't been. But he also quit like three weeks prior to her finding out. So it's like, where have you been going every day? To his friends, to smoke, or to play on theirs, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, he's garbage. Yeah. Yep. And then I know Chris and I were talking before about, because Melanie's been exchanging these messages with this guy, Hunter. Yeah. And he... He lives out in Vegas, where the first show, or one of the first, one of those sets of shows is going to be, and he wants to get her a ticket, and she's like, no, me and my guy, we're going to go, and, but, I, what were you saying before about, like, about him, and if he was, like, or maybe that was more towards the end we were talking about. I was, his name is Hunter, mm-hmm. the lead singer. Mm-hmm. Of coffin Terry Hunt, right? And I'm just like, okay, is this leading to something bigger with mm. you? Of why it doesn't real, it doesn't. Yeah, do he's that. definitely not. It's not Terry Hunt no, messaging. But her. Right. He's a like, separate okay, person. Because <laughs> yeah, the guy seemed really adamant of like, oh, did you come? Like so, yeah. Well, how is this going to work out? And it it doesn't really. Yeah, it. I really thought up until we actually meet Hunter that it was going to be Terry Hunt, and that this was mm. either some kind of sacrifice or like we yeah, find out exactly. Terry's very lonely. I don't know, but yeah, it was weird the way that panel that panned out for her. Yeah. I um, think you could have gotten part of that without all those chapters of just Melanie and Greg. Right. Like, cause when she shows, she, she does show back up helps Chris later. Like mm-hmm. she does become important in that in a certain way, right. but it. I think you could have maybe gotten an idea of her because they, her and Chris spend a lot of time driving later in the book and you could have gotten some of that there. Yeah. Just being like, I'm a huge coffin fan, blah, blah, blah. Cause she is like, we get that like her. Yeah. She's just a huge fan and that's why she needs to see these shows. But then also that's when she, like you said, she's, she wants to change her life. So she's like, well, screw it. I'm going to head out West anyways. So I'll go, I'm going to move there, start a new life. I'll see coffin and I'll, start my new life yeah. yeah she's kind of i guess the foil of chris like she's still the youthful innocent anything can happen while chris is yeah oh no we're going to hell like the apocalypse is starting so <laughs> i did like because we did get in her chapters that coffin really did their music meant a lot to her yes you know got her through some hard times although i thought it was interesting how it got her through hard times, but then we do see later when she does eventually get to the show and everything that the words seem like hollow to her. They don't have the meaning that they used to. Yeah. So. Oh, you mean like the great song Infanticide? Yes. <laughs> that, oh my God, when I read that title, I'm just like, oh, Grady Hendrix reading some fucking Marilyn Manson song titles here because that totally looks like one. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I am curious uh, how into metal he is. I mean, he has to be, mm. like, a really pretty big fan for this, but also, like, likes it enough that he can tongue-in-cheek all of this. And I thought... I thought I read that he didn't really. Oh. I thought he did. Oh, no? I would have to find an interview, but I thought I read something before reading the book that he was kind of like, I didn't really know anything, so I just kind of did some research. So Really? Just, okay. And honestly, that's that I could, the way I was reading it, if that was if that's correct, if I read that correctly and that, that is the truth, I, I honestly kind of got that feeling as well. It was like, oh, this feels like someone that didn't necessarily grow up listening to music like this. He just kind of did some research knows some things now but didn't necessarily grow up listening to it that's gotcha. actually, yeah that's that, when i was reading the whole book yeah. that's how i kind of i enjoyed the references because it is some music that i i like but yeah that, that's actually how it came across for me so it's interesting that we kind of got both both readings on that yeah it's, i mean you are a metal music fan right yes and, i'm not super in depth as some other people can be like i did right. not as like a young teenager i got into it way later but, but you recognize the chapter titles yeah all the chapter titles are either albums or songs but yeah, right. they're all like there's super obvious ones like appetite for destruction there's um rain in blood which is a slayer album and song and everything obvious to who because i didn't well <laughs> okay. i mean i didn't recognize that either but i guess that was gonna be my point is that i was not i, I not a metal fan much at all i mean my parents listened to some but it was not an immersion thing for me so i guess it works that may be why i can i read it that way is because enough i don't know enough of it to be like this is where the line of just visiting versus actually being a part of is yeah but that's yeah that's interesting that we kind of both had the views of like oh we must have been into this and, and everything i definitely thought he was not a fan of new metal the way that it went with the blind king and his career i didn't think that he was a fan of oh yeah like that genre that's <laughs> interesting because i i don't like like they mentioned slipknot by name mm. i don't i never like slipknot but i feel like slipknot has integrity i guess if you want to call it that you know over something like limp biscuit or you know something <laughs> else that could be considered that um, which yeah. Limp Bizkit gets name checked as well, of course. Yeah, so. of course, yeah. of course. So after Chris uh, leaves Scotty, she decides to go see Tuck, um, who is again the rhythm guitarist, who super hates her, as does his wife, who was girlfriend at the time. I think of the girlfriend, episode. yeah, yeah. All known each other way too long, and. Uh, Tuck lives in, like, this really nice community, the, what, eco-friendly McMansions, Mm -hmm. got the 2.5 kids, the, you know, big SUV, I think is actually going on a picnic or just got back from a picnic, like, a very quintessential life. Yeah. Very not metal. And he is not happy to see her. No, not at all. He says he saw about Scotty on the news and he was going to call her. Phone calls are fine, but you being here is not. Yeah. Um, she convinces him to come with her. Um, so she also finally opens the letter from Scotty. And it is essentially like, uh, hey, something's wrong. And I know I seem crazy, but something is really going on. And it's related to troglodyte. And 
um, you need to trust Troglodyte and find everybody and you can solve this. Right. Um, and he does say too that he's lost time. Like he'll wake up and mm-hmm. not remember how he got to wherever he was or remember anything. So he knows, he said he thinks it's too late for him that his brain has been messed with too, too much for him to, to be able to do anything about this, but that Chris can do it. Did we mention, okay. So the black iron mountain comes up from the center of the earth. Yeah. In her. So Chris wrote this by herself in the witch house, in the basement, there was a well and she liked dragged the cover off of it and she could hear the running water. And she just kind of sat there and this story poured out of her about how there's a hole in the center of the world and in that hole is Black Iron Mountain, mm-hmm. um, which is like a bunch of underground cab irons, lo- caverns, lava seas, cab irons, cab irons, cab irons, <laughs> uh, caverns, lava seas, and that troglodyte, and millions of others are just chained to this wheel. Slaves and they, chained yeah, to the wheel, just, just spinning. <laughs> pointlessly going in a circle forever and ever and ever. It's fucking metal. It's awesome. <laughs> Ed Tuck's neighborhood is, you know, Lululemon tops and yoga pants. And mm-hmm. they're sitting in there arguing about this. And I love it. Scotty had gone in and out of rehab, too. Like, mm-hmm. there are so many different levels as to why no one should listen and trust Scotty. Right. He did He did try to assure her that he was not drinking. Yeah. He had sobered up. Because <laughs> she did ask us, you know, a valid question to ask. Um, yeah. So, but essentially... Uh, Chris is there to get tucked so that they can go get Bill. And I just want to mention there's a line because she's talking to Tuck in the house, the family, and saying how you need to get you need to get away from your family because they could be in danger because of this. And then she references everyone else in the family, including like the young children, as being like they could be they're potential murder victims. And then kid, <laughs> kid starts crying. I'm like, oh god, yeah. Chris, that yeah. might not be helping you. <laughs> And I feel like his wife was not really feeling this whole thing happening here. (laughs) They actually, they make Chris, Tuck agrees, says, fine, you go sit outside in the car. I'm going to eat and we're going to get ready. (laughs) So then Chris can just see the family in the window eating dinner. (laughs) She just is forced to sit in the SUV. I love it. Because is it implied that she and Tuck might have had a thing like prior to Lily or like... Maybe it was just like a, a crush or something. They were really close. Mm-hmm. And this whole like, it's kind of a vibe of like, maybe they'll end up going through this and getting together, but it, it doesn't happen at all. But I don't know. They're, I like Tuck and Chris's relationship. I guess yeah. that's what I'm trying to say. Especially by the end, you definitely, you'll see that yeah. they, uh, they're probably the closest besides maybe terry and chris before yeah i wondered about them if anything had happened between the two of them or in her and scotty or maybe her and scotty i think they got tattoos together oh that's right yeah yeah maybe just more of like a she sees before scotty kills himself he has a a tattoo on his calf Mm -hmm. and he says he doesn't know how it got there yeah like he woke up one day and he had a tattoo of a butterfly yeah because why not um so they, he eats dinner, he comes back, he's got, you know, all of his stuff, and they're going to Bill's, and he's like, Chris, who hasn't spoken to anybody, he's like, you know, where is Bill nowadays? And 
Bill still lives at the witch house, which is amazing. Right. But it, uh, up till now, that house has been described as this rundown. Exactly. Damp. Soggy. Musty. Yeah. Terrible place. It always rains there. And, it's, yeah. like, it's, it's the type of a place where a band that doesn't have a lot of money might use to crash and, and again we end up knowing finding out that they recorded troglodyte there in the basement um but yeah it definitely doesn't sound great so i think when you first mentioned you're just like so bill's not doing well because right. he lives at the witch house yeah. yeah it's like oh man he's probably just as bad off if not worse than scotty but he is not not he at is. all super rich i mean he he did end up paralyzed after that car accident right um so he's in a wheelchair but he has turned it in the witch house into a luxury rehab center, basically for super rich people. So now he's rich. And what's it called? Well in the Woods. Well in the Woods, yes. Which is the cheesiest, perfect yeah. retreat name. Right. Although he did, like, cover up, or he said that they filled in the basement. Yeah. Because it kept flooding, I think was the excuse. It kept flooding. So they filled it in and covered the wall so, like, there's no door there and everything. And he welcomes her with, like, open arms. Like, there's no mm-hmm. animosity or no apparent animosity. He basically, like, yeah, you know, it sucks being paralyzed, but I'm doing all right. And, you know, I should have written to you kind of thing. And let's check out all these spa, you know, treatments yeah. that we've got going on. The... Uh sweat lodge type of thing yeah and that's where things get fun yeah (laughs) like up until this point we've also had flashbacks of like what kind of happened that night we still haven't gotten anything major um but it could still be considered just a paranoia rampage like that there's not really anything going on this is all in chris's head up until she is essentially kidnapped in the spa mm-hmm. and uh, put in a room. And, yeah. Um, Tuck leaves. Yeah. Although Bill did say, like when they're telling the whole story about everything with Scotty, Bill does say the timeline of contract night also doesn't add up to him. So you're kind of like, oh, maybe things will be okay. No. Nope. No, yeah, no. Bill. Nope. Um basically she i think they drugged her through that water that she drank yeah she ends up passing out um and while she's passed out in there and everything her brother in a court appointed executor admit her to well in the woods and terry is just concerned about her well-being so he's paying for her treatment um terry actually helped bill start well in the woods and he is their biggest investor yeah, it's like, theoretically, even though Terry, you know, fucked him all over, he was still kind of helping the th- those three in the background mm-hmm. to keep him them loyal to him. Yeah. Because um, Bill says that he took him into his confidence and explained to him about Black Iron Mountain and it's beautiful and you're not going to hurt Terry or them and we're going to rehabilitate you. Exactly. Which means a lot of drugs. And she wakes up in the, it's described as rubber sheets, kind of. Yeah. Like she's very tightly packed in. She can't move. Yep. And then yeah. Bill's assistant, Miranda, 
Mm-hmm. Yep. That she showed up in the sweat lodge. And I think she's described as a... She's a white woman with dreads. Yes, I knew Stephanie was going to enjoy that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For some reason, I kept picturing her being... I don't know if you guys are familiar with... Um, uh, I haven't seen the second one, but uh, the first one, Zoolander, Mila Jovovich's character. Oh, yeah. Because she, she runs the... She, at the day spa, like, mm-hmm. when they kidnap uh, Zoolander and, and, and everything, and everything. I pictured her face on the character <laughs> for some reason. No, that's perfect. Oops. Um, Miranda's also seems to be very much in charge of Chris's re- re- rehabilitation, trying to get her to admit that she had this crazy delusion that Terry was after her, and... Um, but that to basically to get Chris to just blame herself that she's there because she was making terrible decisions. Um, they end up burning her jacket at one point, a jacket she wore like all throughout touring that I think Terry helped paint or draw on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's whatever, like the, the quintessential, her image. Yeah. Of, it's called you her know, bones. From her, so yeah, her bones. Drew a spine up the back or something. Yeah, it looks like, rib cage, something. It's when she zips it up, it looks like a, yeah. Yeah. Cage, so it looks awesome. Yeah. They're trying to get a reaction out of her. And, and she's she, not. She refuses. Yep. But what she's been doing is basically just running through the Troglodyte album in her head to just hold on to that. They, they do have her guitar there, too. Because they're going to burn it. Right, they're going to burn that. Because so, she's traveled with it, so she has it with her after she originally left her house. Yes. Yeah. So that, that, that'll that be important. Yeah. Um, is she actually taking the medicine, or is she... Um, I think... Does she, she at first? At least at first, because at one point I know it was described as she doesn't so much walk across the, the lawn as she does float. Right. Because of all the mood stabilizers and everything. Is there... They're injecting her in her neck. Like, they're giving... Like, it's not just, like, pills. That's right. They they make her so, like, Miranda comes in at one point and jabs her in the neck. That's right. And uh, she's refusing to journal. She's just, like, sitting there. It's wonderful. The, um... Paxator? Paxator. It's a drug I think Scotty said he was on. Yep. So I just need to take a little detour here. Have you guys seen the movie Serenity? Yes. I Which one? <laughs> Serenity. After the Firefly series, they got oh, a movie. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So Miranda was the planet, right? The Pax <laughs> okay. is what made the people, it's what created the Reavers. Is Grady Hendrix a really big Firefly and Serenity fan? Because I think so. Wow. <laughs> Which I just realized. <laughs> Very I nice. I could see Stephanie's eyes go like, yeah, <laughs> and I, I thought you were just trying to remember the name of the drug. I then, was, and then I but, came up with Pax, okay. and I was like, "The Pax—that's the creator of the Reavers." And Miranda was the planet. <laughs> yep. All right, Grady. I, I love you. it. You're a good guy. Is he on Twitter? <laughs> Maybe we can ask him. What? I said, "Is he on Twitter? Maybe we could ask him." <laughs> Does anything in We Sold Our Souls have to do with Firefly or Serenity? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we do get a lot of the lyrics. I, I mm. had written down at one point the actual like set list, and I cannot find it now. Um, but like this album is broken down 
so well of like here's the song we start with and here's how mm-hmm. they recorded the opening music that like maybe not everybody agreed with until they actually mm-hmm. heard it set up and then it was like and I then we added pushed for that <laughs> then we added a slow song which not everybody was on board with but then you hear it and it's needed and uh, right it's like a sarcastic ballad yes <laughs> yeah. um and then i think it's after they burn her jacket Miranda, I know at one point she like pinches her to try to get an answer, and yeah, she Chris just grabs her yeah. skin between her like index and finger it. and thumb and just twists it and twists yeah. it. And, Which Chris yeah. is just yeah. like all the damage she did to her her hands touring and everything that didn't hurt or didn't at least require or elicit a reaction. Um, plus, Chris knew the next song was about the rain, yep. and then it rains and storms. And shit gets good. Yeah. This goes, goes from out. a mental institution that's like, maybe Chris is just crazy and we're not sure, to, oh shit, there's demons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and I, we should mention this place is well, oh. not guarded necessarily, but well um, Sur- surveilled. surveilled. Yeah. Like there's cameras everywhere, and just like, um, kind of like, Scotty was saying they're watching everywhere. They can hear us and everything. So, which I know this maybe makes a bill mentions saying how it makes sense because when you have someone famous there and then they have their agent drone in a package of cocaine onto the grounds, it's like you have to keep an eye on things because you need to make sure that you know what's happening everywhere. Um. Yeah. We start to get flashbacks of the actual um, them running to the car because it was raining that night. Um, and that something was also like chasing after the car. Right. She finally remembers the truth of contract night that when she she did storm off drinking by herself in the woods. But when she went back to the guys, the contracts were signed. That's still the same. But when she goes downstairs there's these demon corpse emaciated corpse mummy looking things that are on top of them as we find out later like sucking out their souls yeah um and that they did not hit a ups truck they hit one of those things right so and the reason it comes back to her is because she goes to hide in a room and she's trying to make her escape and one of those things is in the room doing the same thing to someone there so i thought originally i was like oh my god bill's a demon (laughs) this is bill's new demon form (laughs) it's not but (laughs) no it's kind of uh i don't know if terry promised a certain number of souls or anything or if just because the doors are open they are taking souls the Mm -hmm. easiest way possible yep um there is also a moment after they sign the contracts when she goes to see him that she thought they were dead well maybe she like always remembers she thought that they were dead and then this is actually what she actually saw and why she thinks right it was definitely about scotty was laying on a like an air mattress but it had deflated because Mm -hmm. of the weight of the thing on him and something like he's described as being boneless which is why i then thought they've been demons this whole time yeah (laughs) but then how did scotty fight back and end up yeah so that's my first yeah very overt like oh okay oh shit i mean the stuff with scotty before and saying like terry's following me like okay well so far nothing 
super crazy has happened. And then all of a sudden, yeah, you have these white demon monsters that are, like, I... Are they described as walking? They walk on all fours, right? They kind of crawl. I think so. Yeah. They're creepy. Goes, when she goes down and sees it, and it, one of them starts um, walking towards her, yeah. like, up the stairs, kind of. Um, um, she ends up stealing Miranda's phone, which mm-hmm. I just remember when I read this, it's at, like, 15% or something like that. Right. And all I could think of. Yeah. Is like, okay, like mine right now is at 44 because I haven't thrown it on a charger since yesterday. But at work, mine sits on like a wireless charger and like my phone is always charged at work. How is it only 15%? I don't know why this is like my sticking point, but I'm just like, <laughs> who doesn't charge their phone at work? Like, if you're going to go well, out after. If, I don't know how long the power has been out for. So, because it was sitting on the windowsill, so it was probably charging for a while. But again. Or- if the phone is like mine and not holding a charge for as long as it used to, yeah, okay, maybe fair. Miranda needs an upgrade. I'm ready so to upgrade. Battery. Fair because <laughs> of that. Well, but yeah. yeah, definitely at this point the power's been out. I don't know if you said how long it had been out for, but it's you know because of the storm, so they mm-hmm. lost power. So maybe that's a way that it could have been sitting there for a while and not actually charging. But yeah, it's right. super low. Is this the point where we start to realize that she's on troglodyte, like that the all of her actions have followed the songs or is it a little bit later? I think at least for me, yes, because that chapter ends right before the storm that the next song is about the rains and then it's raining a crap ton. So I was like, okay, so you really should be following Troglodyte. It's going to tell us or tell you what's going to happen and what you need to do next. Yeah. So this is the point she runs into Miranda. So she ends up having to go find the blue door Mm -hmm. and like, tearing it off the walls to get in and then going down into the well and as she's trying to get back out a ways away it's like every movement she makes is from the song yeah because her thing i think the song it's the rains and then about going down into the well so her hope is bill has to be lying he didn't fill in the basement right so she uses her guitar to kill that thing attacking the patient and then she also, I think, hits Miranda in oh, the face with it. Does. Oh, yeah. <laughs> with a flashlight, right? Yeah. With the guitar, I think. Oh, okay. I think, yeah, I think I it's think with she, the guitar. Yeah. And, she's and then describing it as like, well, it's called an axe. It's called an axe, reason. right. Because <laughs> then she uses it to bash in the wall where the door should be. And it wasn't filled in. So she does go down the well into pipes, which. This is the scariest part for me. Very claustrophobic feeling yeah. for her. Yeah, it was, uh, this is, I think, incredibly well done. Like, it, it reminded me of the point in Horror Store where it went from, like, a kind of dark comedy horror funny thing to, like, oh, shit, no, we're actually getting dark and dirty and right. terrifying. Right. Um, like she could die down here. Yeah. And so she's, like, grinding her way through pipes and into. Yeah like wiggling her way yeah <laughs> she she gets locked in yeah yeah put, yes they put the cover over and so she, she has no choice but to like stuff on top try so to, yeah. to and um the the lyrics down where the worms squirm down where the blood churns down where the pain burns in my dark place buried with the worms not where you yeah. want to go no <laughs> um but she literally keeps to the lyrics mm-hmm. And uh, even hits the point where, like, black water flooding their 
black caves, the rage I'm feeling down here is a cold storm. That's not the point I was looking for. <laughs> there is a point where like she she's she's on her belly, like she is pressing forward and doesn't feel like she can do anymore, but it's like the next lyrics talk about the sky and things. It's just like I might be almost there. Mm-hmm. But it is yep. the most claustrophobic. Yes. Terrifying. She can't pull her phone out or the phone that she took from Miranda out. I don't think she has a flashlight either. No, she was using the flashlight on the phone, but eventually I think it dies. And also she can't get to it every time. Um, But she does make it out. Well, she first, the whole, it's very, first she gets out, it's like a cave. It's rocky. It starts getting a lot more, you know, the ceiling and she's getting, you know, it's, would basically be crushing her. She gets out again. It's more, I think it opens up and then that's when it's just a cave full of bats. There's bat shit on the floor. There are bugs. Every, it's like Indiana Ugh. Jones scene from Temple of Doom or something where she's crawling. Like she has, she's just covered in all this mess. Yeah. But then yeah, she finally keeps going through all of this horribleness and was able to get outside and the, yeah, she sees the, the sky again. I'm realizing I've read a lot of books this year where people climb around in caves. <laughs> a lot of back guano. Um, yeah, that's great. <laughs> Sorry, that was just like a, I just finished another one. Where I was like, I know someone else was running around in a cave, and back guano was involved. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's not even wearing. She's wearing like super thin whatever linen crap yeah. they gave her. Shoes on, like she yeah. just it, so it just yeah. She ends up all black and blue and cut up all over, but she does get out. And she has no money or anything, but she finds a Salvation yep. Army. Um, oh. They, they... The, the, the brown stain on those pink pants is chocolate. Yeah, yeah. I hope and it's the chocolate. Slipknot shirt. <laughs> yeah, the Slipknot. <laughs> <laughs> and so she... I think she, she turns the hoodie inside out. I was about to say, yes. Yeah, it, even does. at this point, she doesn't want to be wearing a Slipknot yep. hoodie. So the next track is Sailing the Seas of Blood. So she's like, all right, I got to figure out how to get west. Um, and she doesn't realize how long she's even been yeah. in the institution. So she asks what day it is, thinking that it's still probably like May. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's August 12th, which is like yep. days before this event yes although she doesn't know about the event she just knew about the shows so she's like great that's right she thinks she missed her that's right opportunities Mm -hmm. that's right so she's like sitting there thinking that everything's done and then she realizes that it's still the the whole event um yeah hellfest that was called i'm sorry Uh, hellfest is that the name of the i think so yeah is it? Because isn't there a hell? Isn't there a movie out right now called Hellfest? I don't know. <laughs> I think there is. There's probably like seven Hellfest I'm sorry, movies. Hellstock. Yeah, Hellstock. Hell that's it. Yeah, nineteen. Because <laughs> similar to Watergate's, water was the actual issue and not the name of the hotel. Woodstock, the town was actually named Wood. We just added stock to it, and that's why you could just take stock and add it everywhere. I really yeah. wish people would think when they name things. <laughs> Yes, Stephanie, there is a movie called Hellfest out right now. Okay. Is there really? In the theaters? Yeah. What is it about? 
A masked serial killer turns a horror-themed amusement park into his own personal playground, terrorizing a group of friends while the rest of the patrons believe that it is all part of the show. That sounds I awesome, actually. I don't think it's gotten good reviews. No. But when you said Hellfest, I'm like, that doesn't sound right for the book, but yeah. that sounds like something I've seen recently. Yeah. So. <laughs> I still will see that. I'm debating watching Truth or Dare later today just to see how bad it is. Anyways. Which one was that? Is that the one with the, the one with Lucy Hale? It looks like a, a really bad version of It Follows. Oh, I know. Is that the one with Dave Franco? Yes. No. Yes. Well, is, it? is it Dave Franco? It's one of those three. There was some alike. movie I remember trailers for with Dave Franco. That's Nerve. And some blo- oh. Emma oh yeah, that's Emma not the. Roberts. I've, oh, yeah. Truth okay. the, I know Truth the Dare now. Yeah, yeah. It's. I've watched I Nerve way too many times. Um, so she's basically like catching rides and things and, you know, doing the whole bumming across to the West. And, uh, is it what Louisville that she finally realizes that they're doing an actual, uh, Hellstock somewhere in the Midwest, St. Louis, maybe. Yeah. She Uh, just, at first she's just trying to get away from well in the woods. Yeah. Cause you know, she can't go home cause her stupid little brother would admit her back, you know, readmit oh, yeah. her since she ran away. And she also has no home. Oh, right, because he sold that's right. their he's mother's house. Sold, yeah. yeah. Which is the house that she, like, when they were getting popular, she bought for her mom. and Right. Um, she meets a girl who's, like, with a, a pit bull who's, you know, just kind of playing for money kind of thing and, and teachers are a little bit about uh, the guitar yep she helps her make way more money than yeah. she probably would have yeah. made if it was just her and yeah she i mean the first thing is she tunes her guitar right it's right? like it sounds bad so let me let me help you and then yeah they kind of play together the the young person um they make like 120 bucks the girl yeah. keeps 40 and she's just like no this take this and the guitar Chris tells her, no, you keep the guitar, you keep playing. Because a girl with a guitar has nothing to apologize for, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, it's a good moment. I kind of expected it to come back and mean something more, but it's still a good moment. It gets her some money, and it, you know, reminds her that music isn't demons in hell. Yeah. You know, that you can play for yourself still. Um. I don't know, it's kind of like a really long montage of just like traveling. Yeah. Until she finally gets to. Um, oh, I can't remember what state he's in, but she goes to find JD. Yeah. Because JD is the only other person that knows about troglodytes, that knows the original band, that might be able to help. Yeah. And he knows a lot, we find out. Um,. And she actually calls him on it, too, because he's like, oh, I know Terry sold your souls to Black Iron Mountain and the special ones come and they suck it out from your mouth. She's like, how do you know more about what happened to me than I do? And he's like, you guys call us crazy and conspiracy theorists, but we're out there and we meet and we trade information. And yeah, listen, I'm willing to believe that some conspiracy theorists are OK, and but I can't. I cannot. <laughs> I can't. They hurt uh, my head too much. Yeah. Um, He's still living with his mom, which is adorable. Yeah. It's not 
Actually, I think she he needs to help her, so it is kind of not as sad as it could be. It's not like a statement on like yeah. metal fans. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although when she shows up, he's he owns the basement. It's just covered in Viking stuff, and, and he is drumming. Literally, just yeah, he's just been drumming. Yep. So he just seems like he's been drumming for decades now, just by himself. Like, yeah, yeah. It seems like he never tried to be in another band. Well, maybe he did, but we don't hear anything about that. But yeah. it just seems like okay, I'm just gonna keep doing this. Yeah. He's content and being he, him. And he goes on to explain to her about that Terry sold their souls, um, and he points out because she, even though. She has remembered contract night. She's still like, this is too crazy. That can't be what this is. He's like, well, your soul is like the best part of you. Your passions. You haven't written any new songs, have you? Like your creativity is gone. And that people just want things. So they are selling their souls for phones and for pretty much anything now. And then their souls get taken. And then they're trying to fill the void with more things. Um and then he says that they hollow you out and then you get a butterfly tattoo like Scotty had and then they send you out in the world until they need you and are ready to activate you. So she's, she realizes, okay, it sounds crazy, but it's also true. Right. He's, doesn't he say it's all those agreements that we agree to for different things that we don't actually read, like the end yes. user agreements? Like it's yep. literally says it's one of those things where it's like, yep, yep you signed it for that thing and... That's yeah, it. You. Terms and conditions for Hulu. You have yep. sold your soul. Yep. <laughs> um, but um, which he? Uh, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say it's like this isn't something new. He points out it's not like they just came to Earth. It's just that the mountain has gotten so hungry and we have gotten so droneless that it's just happening on a, a very exponential scale these days. Yeah. And the, the Black Iron Rent, and they kind of updated their methods. Like, yeah, <laughs> these things that people do every day. Like, that's an easy way to do it. Yep, they're smart. But he does agree to help her. He vows to protect her, and they. Is it Odin's? Um, Odin's oath. Odin's oath. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Although his solution is killing Terry. Yep. And Chris is dead set against this. Yes. Not this Chris. <laughs> at the time i'm like why would you feel that way chris because of all the stuff that's happened and the worst or you know more that could happen if he stays <laughs> yeah in this role as the blind king um but they still they go off and while they're driving they hear the radio rob the manager who is still terry's manager says that Chris is stalking him. She escaped from a treatment facility and we believe she is armed and very dangerous. So they have had to increase security. They have set sail on the Red Sea. JD has his bandana on. Oh yeah. His man or bandana, which does have aluminum in it. Right. Which we don't know yet. No, (laughs) but yeah. And we do seatbelts as well, but yeah, they've actually set out for, um, they, they have actually started trying to draw attention to Chris as well, which yeah. considering that this is the, we're setting sail on the seas of blood and they did that. It still didn't hit me how violent this book was about to get. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, no, it happened. Like, it's like little, 
Yeah, it's not all through the book, but when it happens, it, it happens. happens. Yeah. We were, we went out yesterday and Chris was still reading the book. And I think it was when you realized a chapter title, I don't know, you pulled it up on your phone and it was a, an album cover or something of someone's face being ripped off. Oh, and no, I, I, I looked up, um, I just typed into Spotify, Troglodyte. Oh, okay. Because I know it's All not right. a real album. But that was like the perfect time for you to do that because I knew where you were in the book and I was just like, okay, keep reading. Yeah, the, the album I found, it's the, the band is called Troglodyte and they have... I think three albums and they're all seem to be Sasquatch themed. So the covers all have um, Sasquatch on them. And the first one is Sasquatch like ripping someone's face. And then I literally got to the part that we're going to Oh no. Oh no. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause when Stephanie, I showed it to Stephanie, she you did it double time. I was like, like, Can you see that, that again? again? <laughs> <laughs> um, because they, Chris and JD are driving and the world just seems to be preventing them from getting super close to Vegas, like construction, ice checkpoints, all this stuff. Um, and JD is getting more and more erratic. Um, he did. He got rid of his yeah, medicine immediately. Yeah. He crushed it and yeah. he's only been smoking weed. He needs it to like level himself out. Yeah. She it's offers just... a drive and he's like, no, because if we get pulled over, you don't have an ID. So we just <laughs> need to keep going. Um, they and think, I think at one, go ahead. Oh, so the hundred handed eye is after them. Yes. Yeah. Also from the mythology <laughs> of the album. Um, but she, I think he gets, he gets really frustrated at one point. He's trying to follow the signs, listening to the radio, like, you know, listen, thinking about Troglodyte, he's trying to follow the signs and figure out where he need, they need to go. And he gets frustrated and he's like yelling, I don't know what to do. And then his bandana comes off, and that's when she realizes it has foil in it. And she's like, all right, I need to continue on my own. Yeah. Which was a bad decision. That was such a bad right, decision. Right, because it works out. It doesn't even work out for her for, like, five seconds. He drops her at a rest stop. I think she bums a cigarette from someone. And then she's immediately recognized by other people. And it just turns into an angry mob coming at her. JD comes back. And he's, he rescues her. She's able to get in the car. and they, But he, as much as he's ready to kill Terry, he didn't want to run people over because they're people. Yeah. And maybe he should have. But even still, the crowd gets so intense. Like, oh. he wasn't going to get out of there. No, he would have had to have kept going, like, at full speed. Yeah. Because they basically, just the windshield shatters and they, like... They destroy him. Very much. It's like a zombie movie. Yeah. Like his face. ripped apart. He's ripped. Cheeks gone. His throat's ripped open. His eye. Like he's... It is... Bad. It goes from zero to a hundred, basically. Because the earliest part, the most violent part, is Scotty shooting himself and his family getting Mm -hmm. killed by UPS. (laughs) Not real. uh, Yeah. UPS. And it's not lingered on necessarily but then this happens and it's just all of a sudden like oh my god i remember reading it like oh i didn't think that the book would have anything like this and it just goes for it yeah there's uh i mean to the point like there i think they strangle him until like the bone is showing like it is yes gruesome. You see the bone in his throat half his cheek his left cheek i think is gone yeah he looks like two face basically yeah just, it's bad yeah. and she gets hurt she gets part her of her hair her scalp with hair mm-hmm. gets ripped out. Yeah. Or hair with scalp, whatever. 
Um, um, and all the people are filming. They yes. get their phones out just like yes. you do now. Everyone's, you know. Um, yeah. Before it, it starts, they start being like, you know, they kind of recognize her and they kind of start crowding around her. That's when JD shows back up and they get away. You know, they try to get away and that's when it crowd goes just insane. Yeah. But because... Um, just one of those like interlude things. It's an interview about this crowd going crazy and they're trying to frame it like this is this, like the crowd was just trying to keep Chris there and if she had just stayed and the person's like, I took this video and they tore this guy apart. Yeah. <laughs> but it, the video was also deleted off the cloud and the guy couldn't find it. It's just like, uh. <laughs> there's a lot of fishy stuff going on. Yeah. Um, she does eventually abandon JD's body, which is terrible. Yeah. Um, she did say she wished she could give him the Viking, Viking funeral that he deserved. But she didn't have matches. Yeah. Um, so she ends up st- at like a gas station. She cuts her hair, kind of tries to clean herself up and uh, keeps his bandana. Yep. And this is when she and uh, Melanie end up getting together. Yeah. Who had been quiet for a long time, if I remember correctly. Like, I kind of forgot about Melanie for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, She breaks up with Greg after the Xbox thing and texts Hunter and says she only needs one ticket. And he's like, yay. uh So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So Chris gives her the name Deirdre and tells her that her husband uh, Mm -hmm. had attacked her. She was running away from her husband. And Melanie has not listened to the radio at all or anything. She's been on the, on the, on her road trip. Yep. And uh, which is good because literally everybody knows who Chris is. Yep. But, um, Um, I like that they bonded over Dolly Parton. Yes. Which is always a good thing. Well, like, to... Before that, when they're trying to pick on music, pick music, because Melanie, she, Chris learns that Melanie is going there for Coffin. Yeah. She basically is just like, Coffin sucks and everything. Right? And it's like, <laughs> I feel like a very true thing of someone who's very into music and they tell you something and you act like an asshole being like, that yeah. band fucking sucks. Yeah. And so Melanie's like, um... I'm helping you. Like, don't be an asshole. She's like, okay, I'm sorry. She, right. Well, she's going to put her out of the car, too. Yes. Yeah. But Chris seems truly sorry about it. And then they go through this whole list of, like, okay, pick something to play. And they go through all these different bands. Like, why is that even on there? Like, Blink-182 is like, I don't even know why that's on there. Yeah. And they, they, they <laughs> settle on Dolly, and that, that's where they, they really bond. Uh, oh, and Melanie does say that she's like, all right, I think you're lying. You, you didn't have a fight with your husband. Um, you don't really have to tell me, like, details, but you don't have to lie. Um, and she's like, you didn't have a... You're not wearing a ring. There's no, like, indent or, like, tan line. And she gives all these reasons. So Chris basically just says she's going to Vegas to confront a guy, not her husband. She right. wants to, like, look him in the eye. Um, so Melanie gets her to Vegas. She ends up having her... Chris stay with her because she knows she doesn't have any money. And buys her some clothes. Although she does tell her, like, you know, this thing with that guy, you're better off without him. Like, you probably don't need to do it. But And then we and meet then, Hunter. Yeah. And his bros. Yeah. I was really bummed it was not Terry Hunt. 
like when it became a group of guys, this book got even more sinister, and I was not here for that. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's the book starts. So when it when Chris is at the Best Western working that overnight shift, a drunk naked guy comes in, and it's like, oh, being a woman by yourself with an angry man, an angry drunk man. Yeah. And then we get to this and meet him and his dudes. And Melanie does ask Chris, like, to kind of, like, if you get a bad feeling, tell me. Right. And Chris, like, immediately, because of the plan, Hunter's like, oh, just leave your car. We'll take one. And Chris is like, oh, so they want to take her to this place by herself so she doesn't have any transportation has to rely on them. Yeah. How old's Melanie again? Did we ever get an age? Because, like, I mean, obviously really young, like. She's completed college, I'm assuming, four years, because she talks about her student loans. Right. Um, yeah, because how old is Greg, yeah. the ex-boyfriend? I would say, I don't know, I don't remember exactly, but I would say probably, like, mid to late 20s. 20s like, yeah, because she's, she went to college again, she talked about her loans, and then she's been working, because she tried to do, she's trying to do, like, um, animation, but right. she's saying, I was like... I can't afford to do like an unpaid internship somewhere like right. some of these other rich kids can do, and so it's or you know richer kids could do. So it's just she kind of fell into this um, where she was working before she left. Oh, uh, she's twenty six. Okay, yeah. Okay, she was only twenty six years old and already felt exhausted at the beginning. I mean, that is old enough. Look, the internet is not as scary as it was in the early two thousands, where it's like you know don't go meet anybody you've met on the internet. <laughs> but you should still take precautions, especially don't meet people alone. Don't go into the middle of the wilderness with people alone. Right. Like, especially if it's a group of guys. I, I don't know. Like, I'm not someone who can actively say, like, don't make friends and then meet them off the Internet. Like, I would be the biggest hypocrite in the world. <laughs> <laughs> but no one things are stupid. Yeah. yeah. I... Uh, because... So she does ask Chris to go with her to Hellstock. Um, yeah. Because Hunter originally had two tickets, and then she said, oh, I only need one. And she's like, no, come come with us. It'll be great. And Chris is like, uh... So Melanie kind of pulls her aside, and she's like, listen, I know I'm, I'm not dumb. I'm not going there with these four guys, four or five, four, whatever, of them by myself. Like, come with me. So Chris agrees to. So she at least did that, but she didn't know Chris until a few days ago. <laughs> right. Like, what was your plan before? I guess she assumed she would take her own car and have her own. I don't know. I guess. So oh, and then um, Chris goes to shower and the guys knew who she was as soon as they walked up to them and they tell Melanie that she's like the one stalking Terry and all this other stuff and she wants to hurt him so Melanie I think there's a tip line yeah yeah, yeah. it's not they say it's not the police Terry Hunt has its own his own line so it's, yeah. you call that and let them know so it's not even like you call you're calling the actual police which is also suspicious because why wouldn't you call the police why would you call yeah we also learned she's being accused of killing JD. Oh, right, yeah. Um, yeah. Which sucks. Did they <laughs> suspect her of killing Scotty or no? I think so. I think, yeah, I think that she... Per se. 
they think that bleh, they are saying that she killed Scotty and his family. Yeah. Or I think it started out she was wanting for questioning, and now it's she is taking the blame. Yeah. So, UPS comes, uh, and they basically are going to make her overdose and then hang her. Right. But she is able to, she doesn't convince them to stop. She's like, I wrote a, a sequel to Troglodyte for Terry. Tonight's not going to go how he thinks. And she's yelling and everything. And then the phone rings and they, whoever it's Terry, whoever tells UPS to bring her to him. So they stop. Um, I just want to mention how it's both, I think, creepy and kind of humorous. When they keep forcing her the pills, was this a delivery? Yeah. yeah. They say sign here, meaning like right. swallow, here's water. But the right. image just keeps repeating like delivery, sign here, right. delivery. And when they leave, here. I think they say the package is out for delivery. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She says she lies to them. And yeah. And they I think, do they get a phone? When she says it, the phone rings in the room. I just yeah. Said that. Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking, I, I was, I'm sorry. I missed that. I was, I was thinking of the delivery in the sorry. My apologies. Um, also, too, I feel like, to back up, Melanie didn't want to turn her in at first. She was like, she was nice, or nice, you know, like, um, and the guys convince her because they're like, maybe Terry will thank you in person. Like, you'll get to meet him and everything. And then they do. Like, he does yeah. go to them or bring whatever they go to him and he does thank them in person her in person so that's the first time we actually see him now as right. an adult like blind king success yeah. um they also describe the uh the events which is kind of insane it's like a it's in the middle of the nowhere it's a bud light stage because of course um it's <laughs> oh yeah the ad the, the, they play the radio ad. Oh, it's, God. It's like one of the things before chapters, and it says, like, Ky- Ky- Kendall Jenner? Which Jenner is it? Kendall. It's it's like the thing that you hear on the radio of saying, like, the radio voice being like, all these bands, and then you have someone famous, like, listing them off. So yes. Kendall Jenner, and then at the end of that little section, it says, like, sponsored by Bud Light, your favorite light beer. And I'm like, I hate this whole page. <laughs> this one page is the worst. <laughs> then you asked me who Kendall Jenner was. Yeah, I couldn't remember which one she was. <laughs> Isn't she I, the quote-unquote self-made millionaire I billionaire? That... I don't know which one is her or which one's Kylie. Oh, that's right. I forgot about colors? Kylie. Damn it. Yeah. That's, so yeah. I've got it narrowed down to two people. <laughs> I just don't know which name goes which, with which face. So there are two of them and then three actual Kardashians? Yes. Okay. Plus there's a male. No, four. There's four. There's a brother. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Gross. So. Okay. <laughs> Just to give this really quick, it's um, behind the Bud Light stage sprawled is tent city of trailers, air-conditioned walkways, chain-link fences, fabric walls to block paparazzi shots, a helipad, honey wagons, makeup trailer, generators, catering service, three full bars, ice cream fountain carved out of a single block of ice, a Starbucks, two gyms, a Pilates studio, a day spa, and an above-ground pool. Ew. (laughs) and then there's like terry's own little section yes there's also a mobile museum highlighting major landmark in coffin's career and it was only accessible to 200 super fans who purchased the 1200 dollars tickets 
But I think, is that where Melanie and the guys get to go? Yes. Because she yeah. turned Chris in? Yeah. Because it's full of lies. His guitar, he doesn't play guitar. His pants, they're too small. He never wore them. Yep. It's just full of lies. The golden microphone presented by Osama bin Laden's brother after Terry did a show for his son's 13th birthday. It's... That's a lot. Everything about capitalism. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, And they even see, like, pictures of Chris looking really young in, like, the startup days and everything. So... Chris and Terry. Yeah. So we have the confrontation. Number one. Right. He basically stole a building. Yep. Uh, the sporting house, which early in the book, we learn that it burned down. Mm-hmm. And when they have their confrontation, Chris is brought there and she walks in and she's like, what? It burned down. He's like, no, I took it. Okay. But anyway. I had to reread that. I'm like, wait, did I read that right? He took the building and they pretended it burned down. And that's but then also, because like, didn't the owner die? Sure. I assume. And then it burned down. Like, did you kill the owner? Black magic was involved. Mm. Yeah. But I yeah. definitely had to read that again. I'm like, yeah. this is the actual building? You didn't just recreate it? Couldn't that? Right. Just, be that'd be easier? simpler. <laughs> um. But Terry had Chris brought to him because about the part about her writing the sequel to Troglodyte, and he hasn't been able to write anything new or create anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's clearly very hungry for that ability. And he asks her to write for him the audacity. Yes. Because <laughs> he's already had people writing, like, oh, his yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. He can't do yeah, it. Yeah, so, but it's always, but it's not like something new. It's, right. it's just something that... Yeah. Right. And he, um, he goes on to explain, um, that basically he thought he would have more than, I guess, the millions that he has. Basically, he wants to be a legend. And because he's not legendary yet, he still feels like he didn't get as much as he could have or should have out of his deal with Black Iron Mountain. Right. And she's like, uh, people are dead. It's like, yeah, but I'm not a legend, was basically his attitude. I imagine him really short. Like, there's an actor. Um, it's the kid from Doctor Who with the soul Tarians that, like, was trying to take over the world. This is what I keep picture, but, like, in the gothic makeup. I, I cannot think of the actor's name, but just, like, a short, like, not really a pipsqueak, but, like, looks like the kind of guy that feels like he's really entitled and, like, I'm mm-hmm. brilliant and smarter than everybody else. And, like, this is not a good description. I have a picture in my head that I can't explain, but. I pictured <laughs> the second when they were saying, like, kind of in person, he seems smaller. I pictured the first thing I pictured was Danzig. I don't know if either of you know Danzig. Mm-hmm. Fun Danzig. Know. He's a singer, misfits, and did solo stuff. But he's super. Like he's like Good. five seven. Okay. So I, that's why I pictured like your height, little glance. I'm five eight. <laughs> <laughs> there was, I think, in the '90s before they made the first X Men movie. There's, um, I've seen scans of it online of. Fan casting, like who should be in the X Men movie, and of course, 
um, Patrick Stewart was Professor X so that came oh, through. Yeah. But I think people were like, Glenn Danzig should be Wolverine because Wolverine's supposed to be little. And then when they cast, um, what's his face? I'm blanking on his name. Character? Wolverine. Oh, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. <laughs> um, when they cast him because he's so big, they're like, what? Wolverine can't be that big. But I remember seeing like, Oh my God. This guy who I don't think Danzig has ever acted in a movie. I'm like, you should cast him in your giant uh, superhero movie, but he's a little man. Yeah. Apparently, at one point, I learned this recording a few weeks ago, Danny DeVito was being considered for Wolverine. What? Oh. Yeah. Or maybe he's just like, was a fan option or something, because I guess that is more like the build of Wolverine. Oh, oh. yeah. Wolverine's a, he's supposed to be way more stocky and little but <laughs> with Danny just an egg it's just an egg man <laughs> that's awesome yeah Terry we got Terry he, we got Rob yeah because basically so Terry says like he did the farewell concerts special ones got to eat for days but he still doesn't have what he wants so that's why he's doing Hellstock because it'll be like half a million souls in one shot essentially mm-hmm. and then they have to give him what he wants um, then Rob comes in and Terry's just like shush I want to hear the sequel that Chris wrote <laughs> he's like doesn't care about whatever Rob's saying because Rob thinks she's lying which she is um, but he's very hungry for this for like new creativity since he hasn't been able to do it half a million people for a three-day weekend that's a lot Mm -hmm. i don't know it sounds like the worst place on earth it does you would not want to go i've never wanted to go to any type of festival music festival like that because i'm just like i feel like i would be anxious because i'm sure there would be multiple bands i would want to see that would be playing around the same time and i'd be like i can't get over there but then just the mess of people and just the whole situation I've never wanted to go and this is described as like the worst thing in the world so I just looked up uh, Burning Man is 65,000 people so not even 100,000 wow so like almost 10 times that the only uh, the only thing I've done is Music Midtown in Atlanta but that's not like anything it's not in the middle of nowhere <laughs> yeah um, I don't know. I, there's another big festival. What's the other one? Burning Man's the big one that I can always think of, but that, you know, is 50 to 65,000 people. This is half a million. Yeah. I wonder, I don't know what like Coachella is like. That's Ooh. the other one I was thinking of. Okay. Let's see. Oh, okay. So I know there's another one that I will never, ever go to. Size. I just watch because I usually I feel like they, they stream a lot of stuff so I was like I'll just sit at home and watch bands I want to watch streaming live and then yeah. not have to deal with gross people and porta potties and oh, so much overpriced shit so Coachella says that it caps at 126 for the capacity but in 2017 attendance was 250,000 so two Coachellas at once Oh my god, that sounds terrible. Alright. So we've got like this, essentially what we're trying to point out is like, there's a shit ton of people in the middle of nowhere. There's not like, they did not prepare for that. And people are, workers are leaving. Yeah. Yes. There's 
they're like filling these spots with volunteers yep. and everything. So it's yeah, it's kind of just going off the rails it's not a little. Going well, no, yeah. just a little well, bit. People there and the people are yep. signing the contract up for everything. Signing up for the army for credit <laughs> zero percent APR credit yeah. card for one year. Just signing up for all different things. Yep. So Terry can be a fucking legend. Yep. But I liked when Rob comes in and Terry really, they both realize Chris doesn't have a sequel. She's not going to play anything for them. Terry leaves. When Rob is talking to her, first he says he th- that they thought it would have been her to go to them first, not Terry. So the question has been like, who are you, Rob? Are you like the devil? I also had a moment of, wait, I'm like after I finished, it was like, wait a minute, was Rob her brother? Because at the beginning... She has two brothers because her dad's yelling at them. And then we only hear about the one brother, little Charles, who's a cop who comes to the hotel when the drunk guy and then admits her. Like we don't hear about the other brother. And I thought she said her other brother was an entertainment lawyer. So for like half a second, I had to go back and look to make sure Rob wasn't her brother. And I missed that. He's not. Isn't his last name Anthony? People change their names. Okay. Maybe that's could have been his middle name, and he just cut off the last name. Okay. <laughs> um, but when he describes Black Iron Mountain, that he doesn't fully understand who they are, but he knows they just want, and that their appetite it's never going to be satisfied. And that he tried to tell Terry this that even after they do this half million thing here this weekend, they're still going to just want more. Right. But then there is a great moment. So they're kind of going back and forth. He does say that what they can do is have her sent back to well in the woods, get rehabilitated, put up on meds, and then go back to her job at the Best Western instead of the hotel suicide thing. Um, he's basically like, you, you can't do anything. You can't defeat anything. And then, or you can't defeat Black Iron Mountain. And then my favorite quote was he shook his head he got up and he was gonna leave but rob was a man and men never know when to shut up (laughs) i did like when you highlighted that so good (laughs) because he kept talking it's Um, so appropriate it gives her a patronizing smile and she ends up punching him in the face yeah the fuck out yes because he falls and hits his head i thought he was dead because he fell and hit his head on the edge of one of the tables and I was like people die from that maybe he's dead oh yeah best part though is there's been a maid in this room the entire time cleaning <laughs> yes just through a chair and broke yeah, yeah. beer and bottles and- so she's cleaning that up Chris asks her to switch clothes and she's like they're not paying me enough for this I, I want to go home yeah let's do this <laughs> And then no one pays attention to Chris because who pays attention to the maid? So that's exactly. How she gets. Yeah. But men never know when to shut up. Hmm. Did either of you think that she was going to play something? Yes. On stage? I thought oh, she yeah. was going to come up with something. Oh, I thought it was going to be the whole... I was like, I don't know how she's going to do this, but I think you have to, you're going to have to play Troglodyte. You have to play oh, the whole the album. I mean... Oh, that? That's what I meant when... Before yeah. he leaves and it's just Rob, like she gets up on stage yeah. and she, I think she picks up the acoustic. Oh, she does. Like I don't like the acoustic, but um, for like half a second. But then I was like, no. no, because even if she came up with something, Terry does not deserve 
no, he didn't yeah. deserve to hear it, even if she did come up with something new. Yeah. Um, so we switch back to Melanie, who kind of exists just to show us how insane this uh, concert's getting, uh, how fights are breaking out all over. Um, the crowds are just kind of pushing in on itself. These dudes mm-hmm. have like performed a circle around her. And they're protecting her from these fights. Yeah, which seems really nice. No. Unless I mean, you just know men. Sure. And but Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just know men. <laughs> um, they basically, like, one of them starts feeling her up. Yeah. And then I think it continues to escalate. And then it's Hunter. But then he, like, slams her head into something and says, die, bitch. So I was like, oh, because also leading up to this, she has noticed that it seems like she's left out of a joke or she sees them giving each other looks. So at this point I was like, was the plan to kill her? Like, yeah, it was, uh, I was torn between sacrifice and like, if they were going to try to, uh, gang up on her all at once. Yeah. I assumed the latter that they were all. Going oh, definitely. To I, try to rape. yeah. Yeah. Like she was stupid. So stupid to go with a group of dudes you don't know to this place in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you should be able to do whatever you want. Yep. But people are trash. It does not help this week at all. No. No. <sighs> so, I think we've talked about this. Now, is this them being this way because they're men? Or is it that plus something with everything that's going on with Black Black Iron Mountain and everything. I would not be surprised if the original plan was to invite her out, slip her something, and take advantage of her. That's what I assumed was going to happen. Yeah. I do believe because of the mountain, everything is escalated. Everything is blown out of proportion. So if, like, the original plan was just for Hunter to take advantage or like to do some kind of chain event. Mm-hmm. The added like potential gang bang in the middle of the concerts with the death and like actually physically harming her. I don't know. If, I think that is more the mountain feeding into it. I don't think these were good dudes. <laughs> no, not to begin with. Definitely not. I guess you could see yeah, see it that way where it's like they, or at least like you said, Hunter maybe would be trying to take advantage or do something to her. But then, like you said, Stephanie, when he says die, bitch, yeah. like that's such an yeah. escalation for beyond shitty assaults right. at concerts. Because obviously that happens like Woodstock 99 yes. and, yeah. and, you know, that's just, that's something that shitty people do. So, so then, yeah. That's, I feel like they also didn't strike me as super metal fan, although I know no. this isn't like metal metal, like what dirt work was playing, but like, I feel like not that real estate agents, estate agents can't be, but I thought he was a real estate agent. So I was just picturing like sort of like a clean cut, like goes to the gym every day and has a six pack, not like dude, bro, college shirt, not into metal or anything even like it. But I guess they were because um, he was singing along to a song called Hellmouth from Buffy, also Joss Whedon, 
Firefly and Serenity. Oh. <laughs> I just noticed that. Um, but, I mean, that's... I told you, well, the whole idea that this Marilyn Manson-looking motherfucker was so popular, mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, well, yeah, clearly it's because of the whole something happened, they sold their souls, and that's why he's so famous, because, yeah. like, I... Yeah, so maybe that's <laughs> why he's, like... That's what them. I meant. Yeah. That's what I think of it is like it's because of that yeah. that he's so famous because of what he did to yeah. the inmates and everything that even I, people like these dude bros are right. like, oh yeah, coffin and everything. But again, I wasn't thinking he. I would have been like not surprised if he wasn't into coffin at all and was just using this setting to take advantage of Melanie because she's into them. Do you, is there any indication that they're not into? No, because there's, he's singing along, so yeah, at least he is. I don't know about the other guys. I would not be surprised. Yeah, well, yeah. I think they're definitely into it. Yeah, but I think the way I was thinking at the end is they're into it because of, you know, what they were able to do for Terry to become so popular. So just kind of, you know, if if he was doing this on his own and he didn't have all the fame that it brought him he mm-hmm. wouldn't be it wouldn't be this crazy with all these people loving him so much so that's right. kind of added to it yeah you can be in crowds and everybody's okay they can just be really obnoxious obnoxious and walk slowly like it does not have to turn <laughs> into this right into someone trying to kill you yeah um, so while oh yeah because he's trying to strangle her at that point yeah he says die bitch yeah and while so Melanie's in trouble for her life. Terry starts playing. Chris has gotten to the back uh, stage and Tuck's there as well. And ter- uh, Terry's going backwards through his discology, right? Like starting with the new stuff and going back? Or is he going in order? I think he's going backwards. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, and Troglodyte is like one of those mythical legends in Mm -hmm. the fandom like it's rumored to exist but obviously it was never released kind of thing so some have heard it on bootleg but it's definitely not something that the masses have heard right so tuck has been invited to come play i think china girl Mm -hmm. um and i'm still confused on what Tuck's stances like he knows that Terry is insane but he's not he's definitely not like Bill because Bill is like all in with Terry he's definitely not like he because when he realizes that Chris is there um, he's like you can't be here what are you doing Um, and that he's just here it basically seemed like I'm just here to play a song with my old friend yes things seem a little bit off but but it's all good. It's, yeah, it seems like he doesn't want to, like, super look into it, really. Um, but Chris does convince him, convince him, things clearly aren't right. I'm not mad at you for helping admit me <laughs> to <laughs> Will in the Woods. I've moved on. But I need your help. Like, I need your pass, because her plan is to get, go up on stage. And he does help her. Right. So... And by this point, we're getting in between chapters, like, news stories of, like, $40 million worth of damage. You know, there's been assault, fires, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's switched from the 
um, promo stuff to like the aftermath damage in between the chapters. Yep. yep. Um, so yeah, Chris goes on stage and uh, starts playing troglodyte. Yep. Well, she says the blind king asked her to join him, which I was like, good, yes, so that he can't try to kick her off without looking bad. Right. You know. So, and he's a performer, so he performs with her. They get Tuck out there. Um, Melanie yeah. gets saved. Like a, I'm sorry. Yeah, she gets pulled up. She's yeah. like at a, um, it's a riser. I think it might be a sound. Um, yeah. Sound or lights. I think it's sound, but yeah, there are people up there. Yeah. I, although I was confused. I wasn't sure if those were those were people that were working there, right? right? Like they were doing the sound. So yeah, they pulled her up and thankfully get her away from the, the fucking creeps. Yeah. What were you going to say? I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Oh, so I was just, I like, um, Chris, she starts playing the opening riff and she's just playing it and waiting for Terry to be like, okay. So she's just, oh, we're doing this. <laughs> so he pulls out his cookie monster growl. Yes. <laughs> yep. What's the first song called again? It's um, it's the, the wheel. The wheel or beneath the wheel. Beneath. The yeah. Wheel. Beneath the wheel. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they keep going, and she. I like that she just kind of launches into the next song and into the next song, so he still doesn't have time to be like, "That was Chris. Get off stage." Right. You know, she just keeps it going, and he doesn't really have a choice. Um, Back when music had look really bad. like interludes between them, and one song just like ran into another. <laughs> so, um, and then they get to the last song, which I feel like was this a song that Terry didn't like when they were putting the album together? Yeah, probably. Really um, in. I forget the name. Um, the door with the Cyrilene Hue. Yes. Actually, I don't know if that's the name of the song. That's the um, last one. Yeah. But uh, she kind of covers for Terry. She says that they lost the tracks. They got damaged. So this song never made it onto that album, which Terry was grateful for. <laughs> Dick. Um, <laughs> so see, I feel like she basically sings this one and does it by herself. And it's basically setting the troglodyte free that he's he gets out. And right. then she sees Bill and Miranda, Rob, and the cops, like, on, on uh, the side, waiting for her to come off stage so they can take her. And... Does Miranda have, like, a neck brace She on? does. <laughs> yes. She's <got> bad <laughs> Oh, and I, I like the description of um, when she's playing these songs that she hasn't played in how, how long. Yeah. Um, feeling like the ghost of Scotty's behind her, like moving her fingers and JD and everything. So the people that are actually dead, she feels like they're there and helping her right. to, to do this. And then that's kind of it it goes to a three-year time jump right 
And, um... Find out more about Hellstock just... Yeah. Being... It ended in disaster. Oh, yeah. Merch booth set on fire. This The crowd stormed the stage. Trash equipment. And then... Possibly the best part. All of the sign-ups, all the scan tickets, all the names of the people who came were lost. Mm-hmm. In smashed hard drives and burned paperwork. That's important. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the end of Fight Club. Yes. Blow up all the credit card yep. companies. Uh, Chris is missing. Yep. Terry is... Is, is Terry missing as well? Terry's gone. Gone, yeah. And Tuck couldn't get any answers yeah. from anyone. Um, there seem to be two theories that either Terry got Chris and tortured her and killed her. Or the second theory that she escaped... Uh, someone saw a cleaning woman help her slip off the stage, <laughs> and then a sound tech smuggles her out in a case, and that she got to Brazil or Chile, and that every now and then on open mic nights, a woman will come in, borrow someone's guitar, and play, like Sabbath, Slayer, like, and then sometimes Troglodyte. Yeah. They talk about JD's mom and how she's doing okay. She hears drumming in her basement and that it's her son come back to tell her he's okay. And uh, Melanie is learning to play guitar. Yeah. And And the... um, I'm sorry. Just the the woman who helped pull Melanie up was like with the sound stuff, she recorded everything. So she keeps uploading troglodyte all over so that people can still hear Mm -hmm. it. What were you going to say? Uh, Bill sees. Bill starts teaching. He's teaching kids how to play bass. Tuck. I'm sorry, Tuck. Yeah, I was like, Bill. excuse me, sorry, Bill. No. Yeah. Fuck Bill. Um, yeah, Tuck. Yeah, Tuck's okay. Um, Bill, yeah. we don't like. And right. He he also sees the person playing guitar with the little pit bull puppy. Yeah. Um, although I was telling Stephanie, is this supposed to be a different dog, or did you get a new puppy, or? Is this not a real person, and that's why she looks the same? And the puppy's the same? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And maybe, maybe one of the uh, messengers. Yeah. Yeah. Because, again, when he's describing seeing this person, I'm like, oh, it's the person that Chris met, helped her tune her guitar and play songs with her and everything. And But then it says Pil- pit, pit Bull Puppy. And yeah. And like... I reread that, too. It's a puppy. Yeah. Yeah. So. Hmm. And, uh... Terry is not doing so great. He tries to avoid his reflection so that he doesn't have to see what Black Iron Mountain did to him to punish him. Right. He still cannot create anything new. He puts stuff together and realizes all he did was just combine things from different bands. And he cannot open his mouth wide enough to even scream. (laughs) And Rob's still kicking, signing new bands. Although, but he's in something's up with him. Like, at one point, it says that he caught a smell of something like a wet, rotten wound, and he wasn't sure if it was him, but it can't be him. It can't be him. But then he drove home with all the windows down, and people seem to be a little like put off around him. He lost his good looks. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know what happens to Bill, though. Yeah, that's right. He's probably still running. Well, in the woods. Yeah, that's yeah. the only person that gets yeah. left out. 
Yeah. But yeah, I like how this book starts with Chris go teaching yeah. herself guitar, knowing she can do it, and it ends with Melanie knowing that it's hard, but she's going to teach herself too. Right. I, I love the descriptions of your fingers because I, when I started learning guitar years ago, I'm like, yep. Yep. That's, really? that's not something I thought of because I've never, I mean, I think I played probably acoustic guitar in music class a couple of times in elementary school, but that's also, that's since I never continued on or tried more, that's definitely not something I thought of was it hurting your fingers. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I can't, I don't like to keep my nails short, so I dropped guitar very quickly, but the calluses were, mm. they're something for sure. <laughs> so overall, what do we think? I did enjoy it. I like, I think the music part of it that like, it was like, oh yeah, definitely. Even if I hadn't read My Best Friend's Exorcism, I would have been like, oh, I'm interested in that book. Um, I think going into it, I thought it was going to be more scary because My Best Friend's Exorcism did scare me. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's kind of more of like a thriller type of thing. Um, so I did enjoy it, um, but I think I was as I was reading it, I was expecting it to be more of like, this is a horror story or type of thing, which it really isn't. So I guess maybe that threw off my perception at the time, but looking back at it now, talking with you two, I actually did, did really enjoy it. Yeah. I think Stephanie and I both realized there aren't a lot of books that like have terrified us. I feel like this is like a yeah. goal. We're going to try to accomplish. Yeah, we're trying point. to find it. This, it, I don't know. How. I definitely got creeped out by, when Chris sees the thing at Well in the Woods and then remembers uh, oh, yeah. contract night. Um, what else? I mean, I was worried for Melanie, but in a very different, realistic way. Yeah. That women are generally worried. <laughs> um, I do like the weaving in of that. Yeah. And just a reminder, the world's kind of a terrifying place, even without yep. demons. Yep. But I like, yeah, I liked it. Um, and now even more that I made my Serenity Firefly connection. There you go. I just bumped it up a notch. <laughs> I'm telling you, Pax, Miranda, Hellmouth is mentioned. I'm going to read it again and find more Firefly, Serenity, Buffy Angel references. Yeah, you should tweet at Grady Hendrix and be like, this, this, this. Is this a reference? No, because nope, then you're... if he says no, I'll be sad. Okay, I'll do it for you. No. <laughs> No, I want the 10-page paper on how this is actually a Buffy Serenity uh, fanfic. And then, I can do that. Then we tweet it at him. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, maybe I should read more of his stuff to see if there are any other little tidbits. And that'll just strengthen my argument. Yeah, I am curious now if that is the case. Um, or Paxador or whatever and Miranda are just coincidences. But I think not. <laughs> I am curious what other books he has. Because I, I know there is another one, um, Paperbacks from Hell, but I don't mm-hmm. think that's mm-hmm. like an actual No, no I bought it for my sister for her birthday, actually. Okay. It's about different... Actually, maybe I should have looked at it. Um, it definitely had a lot of art inside of works of fiction of scary books and stuff. I'll have to actually ask her if she's looked at it. Yeah, I think but. I need to get a copy of it just to kind of have, but... Yeah, it was very pretty when I was flipping through it. I was actually going to get her My Best Friend's Exorcism or this, but that, that was the only one at the store, and I was like, 
Hmm, I feel, I feel like she would still like this, though. Yeah. The only other one he has that I haven't read is Satan Loves You, which hmm. I don't think you can even buy on Amazon. Like, I think it's... I'm not sure. It, it's got a weird something about it. But, yeah. So... The other three are great, though. My Best Friend's Exorcism, Horror Store, and, of course, Who Sold Our Soul. Yeah. I do want to read Horror Store. Your favorite place. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even try to be Ikea. Like, they're, they're like, we're an Ikea knockoff. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is very good. Um, so, yes. Uh, as with most uh, guests, what book drink came to mind? <laughs> What is your metal music, metal book, book drink? Well, there are actual beers. Um, so the band Iron Maiden, they have some... It's a collaboration. They've been, I, I believe it's they're working with a brewery, but they have... I had one years ago um, called uh, Trooper. It's by Robinson's Brewery. I did find it in Massachusetts at a liquor store, so I'm assuming that you can find them, you know, relatively easily. But it's literally beer, different types of beers, but uh, I don't know if either of you are familiar with Iron Maiden. If I say the name uh, Eddie, no, the skeleton man. That means nothing. Okay. It's basically <laughs> Iron Maiden has a mascot. They have a mascot that is on all the album covers. Um, they sure they have giant versions of him on stage when they play live and everything. But his name's Eddie, um, so they're they have different beers, and Eddie's on the can, the artwork, and that's all I can think of because I I know I was I'm going to be terrible anytime I'm on this podcast. I'm never going to have a drink because I'm terrible. <laughs> you can say beers like you could have said Rolling Rock. Well, I mean, that, that is a, a beer. That's what I'm saying. Couple mentions. No. no, I yeah, I think that's a pretty yeah, solid choice. Yeah. I think you're good. I mean, it's, it's got... And actually, before I pick that one or suggested it, um, you do Google metal and beer. There's a lot of bands that have done collaborations. Mastodon has done a collaboration um, so yeah, there's uh, a lot of different options out there for metal beer. That's awesome. So yeah, all right. Go find yourself a metal music-infused beer to read with this book. <laughs> oh. So what are we all reading next? Who wants to go? Me? You, you're the guest. Okay. Well, I don't know. Um, I think I'm going to finally read... Cormac McCarthy's The Road. I've owned it, and I've never read it. One of my favorite books. You're going to love it. I didn't realize you hadn't read it. Yeah. I know I've had it for years, but I think I'll do that. I mean, do you want something positive and uplifting? No. Okay. I know that. Then you're good. I know that's not the right direction. You're good. Just making sure. (laughs) You're good. (laughs) No, that is one of my favorite books. I love Cormac McCarthy. He Mm. was... I, I feel like I need to read more of his, so I'm like, well, I already own this one. I'll start here and then kind of go from there. He was uh, one of the deciding factors. Like when I was in college, I wasn't entirely sure if I wanted to do an English major. It just was like the only class I wasn't skipping. And then we read a few of his books in like one of my intro classes. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm on board for all this. So. And I also have a tendency to spoil the road. So I'm going to stop. 
Okay. <laughs> Did you see the movie? I have not, no. Okay. No, I've heard it was nothing compared to the book, so... I'm sure. Yeah. I'm not ready. I, I usually am fine with separating out um, media and, and being okay if it's not as good as the, the book or whatever. I can't with that one. <laughs> it's just... I will say that I love his No Country for Old Men and the movie almost equally. I think that is a very well done adaptation. Okay. That actually, I know I need to read that book because I love that movie. That I know is a book. I still have like quotes and stuff from that. And just, yeah, that was, those are both very important books to me. So I'm glad. Yeah. Everybody should read The Road. <laughs> cool. Uh, what about you, Stephanie? I think also not super uplifting i think i'm gonna read uh barracoon the story of the last black cargo by zora neale hurston um in the late 20s she sought out the last person alive who had actually been brought over on a slave ship and interviewed him about that and his experiences during slavery so we bought it probably a few weeks ago now at this bookstore downtown i was like oh i've been wanting this i should just get it so i got it i've been like I just got to launch into it, even though I know it's just going to make me super angry. <laughs> Two uplifting books. Very uplifting yeah. books. Yeah. How about you? Um, I have uh, actually, I'd put Vengeful, which is the sequel to Vicious Aside, uh, to get some podcast reading done. So that is probably what I'm going to pick up next. Um, very, very excited. I've only done maybe 100 pages. So okay. um I just got the hardback copy uh, or if it comes back through the library, I started uh, not that bad, which is dispatches from rape culture, which is the essay collection by Roxane Gay um, mm-hmm. back in August. And I can binge books. I mean, I'm at 160 something this year. Like I can binge books. That was not a book. It In 21 days, I only read half of it because of mm-hmm. how, much it is and I actually already have the audiobook but I realized it's one that I wanted to continue reading in, in, in physical form because of all the highlighting so if that one pops up in the next day or two which I think it might I will be picking that one back up as well so because yeah America's wonderful <laughs> so sure yeah <laughs> We need a real troglodyte to help us. Oh, we do. So bad. Yeah. I honestly, I meant to say this before we were done talking about the actual book. I want someone to make this album. Like, take the lyrics oh, that yeah. Grady wrote and the descriptions of what the songs were like and just record so we can have a real Yeah. I really hope someone is. I'd listen to it. If they, they have not, like, for any kind of uh, media, what is it? It starts with a P. Why can't I think promotion? If I don't know why there's not any cross promotion of this at all. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe if it really gets popular, they can do something and yeah. have some metal bands be like record record Dracula, yeah. or at least part of it. Like I would yeah. hear like beneath the wheel. Like, yeah, I think, I think from my listening to this type of music, I could really hear it in my head just reading the lyrics and, and everything. But I'm like, oh, I really want to be able to hear it though. Right. I think it would be great. Put that out into the universe. Maybe it'll actually happen. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll message Mr. Hendricks. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, so what are we reading next for the podcast? 
We are reading a book I have never read. <laughs> Frankenstein. Yeah. That's going to be Keep. a lot of fun to talk about. Yeah. Miss Mary Shelley and her importance in everything. Um, and if you haven't read Frankenstein, it is a fairly short... Is it a novella? I don't know if it counts as a novel, but everyone should read it. Um, so it'll be a good look in horror slash sci-fi and Mary Shelley and how awesome she all started. And do you read Wicked and Divine? I read, I think, the first trade that I borrowed from a friend, and I did really like it. I just haven't gone further okay. with it yet. They did do a one-off, which at some point they're going to collect them all. They do, like random year collections there is um from the year and i can't remember who which god is mary shelley but that group of romantics Ah. does have its own issue nice so highly recommend beautiful artwork there (laughs) so uh chris thanks for coming back thank you very much for having me it's been fun uh anything you'd like to promote while you're here i mean technically <laughs> still working on this. So yes, um my friend George and I, we are still working on it. Stephanie's looking at me. Because I think you plugged this last <laughs> a while ago. I did, most definitely. The Citadel. It's a Mass Effect podcast. Twitter, the Citadel Pod. Someday someday it'll it'll actually be up there. <laughs> Don't worry. And you were also on a recent Oh, right. Podcast. Oh, good. Thank you for reminding me. I apologize. I don't know when it's going out. Um, I was a guest on Best Acquaintances with Emily and Ollie recently. Oh, yeah. So we recorded last weekend. So I don't know. I think they run I know they just, two or three. They just put one up with Emily Davidson. Yeah. On. Um, so I, I don't know if I'm going to be the next one or how far back they are. You know, if they have yeah. things kind of set, but I will be on there eventually. And that was a lot of fun. I was very nervous since I was the subject of that podcast. I'm like, this is a book that we're talking about, but there, it's you very did. fun. From your end that I could hear, you did good. Yeah. And I'm very excited to listen because apparently what I gathered was that Ollie is really into vampires. Yep. So I need to know more. Yeah. ASMR vampires. Oh no! That's a little, little sneak peek. Oh no! Yeah. Well, hopefully, it'll either be I guess. So if they just did Emily Davis, so it'll either be this week or it'll be two weeks from now. So yeah, uh, but should be soon. We'll be sure to link it too, um, and everybody should go listen to Best Acquaintances, anyways. And just a reminder: Stephanie and I have also both been on there, so you can go find mm-hmm. out more about us. Me pre podcasting days where I'm a nervous wreck. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think mine was right before I started down here too. Yeah, yeah I think it's because you it like a, they knew you were going to be like yeah, I'm like oh, be on our show and then yeah, yeah, they're great. I'm sure they'll be back. We just had Ollie on, so it'll be a little while. Yeah. So, um, okay. As for me, you can find me um, on Twitter at Meg Griffin, and from there. You can find all the other podcasts that I do. Um, as for this podcast, you can find us at JBC Podcast. Um, you know, I put business cards together and never like double checked all the social media stuff. Oh, <laughs> before I printed them, it's it's all right, but it just hit me because yeah. I think Ooh. I Twitter was actually something different for a while for 
judging book covers. And I think at some point I finally made all three of them match, but I should have actually did that before buying and printing. Um, <laughs> they do look very nice. Well, thank you. Yes. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at judging. Nope. At JBC podcast. We also have a Facebook group, which is a handbook for judging fabulous retelling covers. Uh, we will be back in two weeks to gush about Mary Shelley and how awesome uh, female authors are. So, yes, uh, I'm excited. Until then, keep supporting your local libraries and we'll see you then.